we are going to look this morning, uh, read together Luke chapter 24. So this is a cue for you to get out your, your Bibles, however you do it. I'm going to ask for a volunteer. And we're going to read together uh, verses 13 to 31. Okay, would anyone, anyone like to volunteer to read out those verses? And Luke 24 is uh, one of the, the central passages about how we understand uh, our Christian faith, and particularly important on this, on Easter Sunday. Now behold, two of them were travelling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they talked together of all these things which had happened, so it was that they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. And he said to them, What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And so they said to him, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early, and they astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said. But he did not, but him they did not see. And then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets had spoken, Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is... For it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. Fantastic. Thanks, Paul. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and uh, I think in the NLT it says, and they recognized him. Let's pray, Holy Spirit, this morning that you will come and open our eyes and help us see who you really are on this Easter Sunday. Amen. So Luke 
top and tails this passage uh, by talking about what those two disciples couldn't see and then what they came to see. And um, Luke's not just talking about their physical vision, like whether or not they needed a, a visit to Specsavers, like my daughter and wife have just made. He's talking about something more. What Luke's getting at in this passage is what do we come to know? What do we really see? What do we really understand about the story of Jesus? On the third day of Easter, Luke is asking us the most important question. Do you see? Do you really see? Because what we see, what we come to know, what we understand about Jesus will then shape the story that we live out. And that's important because like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, there are competing realities that are vying for our attention that would have us live alternate realities. So, um, who, li- who likes a road trip? Who likes it? Who likes a travelling holiday? Yeah, so let's, we're going to go on a journey together 2,000 years later with those two disciples and their as yet unidentified companion. Is that okay? Ready to go? One more thing. When I go on a trip, I take my rucksack. So here we go. Just going to get ready. I'm going to put on my rucksack because we're going on a little trip to MS. Okay, right. I feel, yeah, okay. I feel much, much better now. Okay, off we go. So let's start the journey. Verse 18. And uh, our two disciples, uh, with heavy heart, say to the companion that's traveling with them something along the lines of, like, how come you don't get it? Like, you don't know what's going down in our world, like everybody else does, but you don't, really? And then by verse 21, they get to the point, and they say, look, this man Jesus, this, uh, this miracle worker, this mighty prophet, this teacher, we'd hoped he'd be the one, he'd be the one to set us free from occupation and oppression and enable us to be free, to give us our sovereignty and identity, that we could be free to worship, and then everything would be okay. But it's been three days since he was executed, and it just hasn't turned out the way that we'd expected. The, the ruling authorities and the religious leaders had conspired to dash their hopes it hadn't turned out the way that they'd hoped. And I guess all of us carry some level of third-day disappointment, don't we, in our lives, of things that we'd hoped would have turned out differently in our lives. We know that reality can sometimes bite us hard. Like for me at the minute, realising that Arsenal aren't going to get fourth place in the Premier League this year. Reality has bitten hard. 
No, no, but seriously, uh, there's, a lot, there's a lot going on, isn't there? You know, there's, there's this war, awful war in Ukraine. We're recovering from a pandemic. Uh, there's a rapidly rising cost of living and not so rapidly rising incomes. Still got climate change to deal with. And society seems to be changing so quickly that we can't keep up with it. And then when we add on to that all the personal stuff that we have to deal with, and it can feel like we're getting overwhelmed, can't it? Like our two disciples, reality can leave us with that feeling of, I wonder what's going to happen next. And we're not too sure where on earth we're heading and the world's headed. Our current reality can at times overwhelm us. So let's carry on the journey. Um, and the disciples start to describe to their companion something that seems like an alternate reality. You've got these women talking crazy language in verses 22 to 24 uh, about an empty tomb and a missing body and some angels who were saying Jesus is alive. And then some of the men go out to check the story, and sure enough, there's no body. But, like, what does it all mean? We don't know. Some might say today, we might say today, that sounds a bit like a virtual reality. Okay, so Tim, cue, cue the first video. Now, you get, these are really short clips, so you're going to have to concentrate really hard, but not for long. As, as anyone, that's me um, playing table tennis against the computer with virtual reality goggles on in Colin and Sadie Barnes's living room. Has anyone had a go with one of those things? Has anyone? Go and put your hand up high if you have. Oh, a few of you, actually. They're, uh, they're great, aren't they? They really are crazy uh, and very addictive. And, uh, and like the thing is, is that I knew Colin and Sadie and Anthony were in the room. I could hear them laughing at me mainly. Um, but immediately I got engrossed into this, this other world. I was literally completely lost in it. And there's this, there's this option on it where you hit this button called walk the plank. Someone's nodding. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so you, you hit this button and you go up in this elevator to the top of a, a really tall building. The doors open, you step out, and you walk the plank. Walk the plank. Thing is... I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. It's like I, I knew that all the time my feet were on the ground, that I wasn't going to come to any harm. But like when I got to the end of the plank, I just couldn't step off. Like, and I knew that, that the virtual reality freefall down hundreds of flights wasn't, wasn't real, and I couldn't hurt myself. But I just couldn't do it, and I got to the edge, and I put one foot off, and then one foot back, and then went back and thought. And I could hear people laughing, one foot off. And like, at any point, I could have just ripped the goggles off and like, the, the experience would have been over. But like, my brain was saying, no, you've got to get back into the elevator and put the button and go back down, which I did. And as you can see, I then played a nice, safe game of table tennis. Now, I know what you're thinking at the minute is like, Paul, you are such a wimp, 
right, really. So concentrate hard, concentrate hard on this next clip and see what you think. Would you have done it? It's real, isn't it? It's really, really, really real. Um, thing is that my brain, you know, had uh, I basically forgotten about the virtual bit, and like you know, this this was reality, and it seemed so real. And the thing is, sometimes as a as a coping mechanism to our current realities, we can. We can construct a virtual reality that's easier and more comfortable to be in, so that we can live out an alternative story. And very quickly, we can get convinced that our virtual worlds are the real world. And don't get me wrong; I mean, it's uh, it's it's really healthy to to get away from it all for a while. You know, we can lose ourselves, can't we, in books and movies and films, sport. Concerts, however you do it, and that's good. But we know how to come back. We know how to come back to the real world. It only becomes a problem when we get so engrossed into our virtual worlds that we get stuck, and then we do real things to real people in real places that we wished we hadn't. And it can be the same for us in church. That it's easy, sometimes, and comforting to construct a world around us that's safe and that we know and that we recognise. But the thing is, then church can come a little bit like virtual reality, and it creates a problem. And the problem is, is that we stop responding to and relating to the world as it is, and that's the world that God created, and it's the world that Jesus came to reconcile and to restore. And to redeem, like our two travelling disciples, we can get stuck in an old story that doesn't quite work anymore, and leaves us feeling a bit confused and a bit isolated. But also, like our two disciples, just at that moment, perhaps when we're feeling most overwhelmed, when we're feeling most disappointed, or we're feeling most stuck, that's the moment. That God breaks in. So let's carry on on our journey, and uh, verses twenty-five to twenty-seven, and this unknown companion, who seems to know an awful lot more than he's been letting on so far, starts to explain to the two disciples God's reality. So not their current reality. Not their virtual reality, but God's reality, and it's the first retelling of the Easter story. That first Jesus had to be lifted up and suffer in a way that, to human eyes and to human understanding, would have seemed like ultimate defeat. 
the defeat of death. But for God, it was the ultimate victory. It was God's way of creating a new ultimate reality, not based on superiority, but based on self-sacrifice. In Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 6 to 7, it says, Though he was in the form of God, Jesus did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but he emptied himself for us. That's God's reality. Jesus has literally, as Mick said in his short poem, pulled back the curtain and restored our connection to God in the way that it was always intended to be, so that now not even death can destroy our eternal relationship with God. God sees us in all of our weakness and brokenness, and we get to see God's greatest desire is to be with us, and for us to see and understand God's love for us. There's a... I don't know, has anyone heard of Katie Davis Majors? Anybody? Anyone heard of Katie Davis Majors? I hadn't until I was just um, looking up something for a, an essay I was writing. Um, so uh, Katie Davis Majors, in 2008, she was a homecoming queen uh, and senior class president from a suburb of Nashville, but then took a mission trip to Uganda. Little did she know that this mission trip would forever change the trajectory of so many lives. She adopted, in the age of 23, she adopted 13 daughters as a single mother. And her work led to the founding of a school and other community service for those people that she loved and shared her life with. At age 23, she adopted 13 daughters. And this is what she said. I look at my place, my people, and I name it Mount Moriah. Now, this is why I was looking it up for my essay, because Mount Moriah was the place uh, that God showed Abraham where he was to sacrifice Isaac. So Mount Moriah, the Lord will provide. The literal translation of to provide in those Genesis verses is to see. It means to see. It's a play on words in the Hebrew. It's the place of seeing, literally. Here we see God, and here he sees us. When our joy is full, and the kids laugh happy, and when our legs are weary, and our hearts are heavy, and our questions are many, he sees us. He is good to us. The Lord sees, and he will be seen. Isn't that amazing? You see, because God has always seen us and God has always wanted to provide for us and God has always wanted us to see him. That's God's reality. But do you see it? And our two disciples, they'd now heard it, but they hadn't quite yet seen it. There was something else that needed to happen. So we're at the end of our journey and God is inviting us to see beyond our current reality this morning, to take off our virtual reality goggles and come to know and share in God's ultimate reality. When I took off 
those virtual reality goggles, there was a few dizzying moments when my brain couldn't work out which world I was in. It just took a while to, to adjust. And I think those two disciples on the road to Emmaus were having a similar type of experience. And we can see in verse 29 that their brains are starting to clear and they're starting to get it. But they know there's something else. They hadn't quite seen all there was yet to see. And that revelation came, as we read in verse 30. And significantly, it came out of hospitality and relationship as Jesus breaks bread with them and shares of himself. And then in verse 31, it says, suddenly their eyes were opened and they could see. Not just Jesus, the man, the friend, the healer, the prophet, the teacher. They could see Jesus, the eternal risen Christ. Through the relational revelation of the risen Jesus, they understood the story they were in and that it was good news. And this good news is our story too. That the brokenness on the road to Golgotha leads to the wonderful revelation on the road to Emmaus. Question is, on this Easter Sunday, do you see it? Do you really see it? Okay, where's, uh, where's Jacob and, and Yusuf? The, um, the best journeys are all the ones that you go back and reflect on, aren't they? Like, Sometimes, time and time again. And uh, this is, uh, for us, our ultimate journey that we get to see Jesus for who Jesus is really in. So I just want to invite everyone now to pause and pray. Um, Jacob and Yusuf, and T- or maybe and Tina and Tina as well. Oh Jacob and Yusuf are going to play a song for us that you may well not know, but we want to use it uh, as a time for us to just take a moment and to let God's ultimate reality seep into our spirits afresh as we reflect on the reality of the risen Christ. Just give some space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us and guide us that we may know to come to know more of God's reality And ask the Holy Spirit to show us the people and the places and the situations we are called to bring more of God's reality into. And if you're here this morning and you don't know God's reality, then maybe this is the moment to ask Jesus to show you. Because it's much closer than you could ever imagine. And if that is you, I'd really encourage you to speak to one of us, Anthony or I, or Tim or Phil after the gathering. We'd love to speak to you about that. But as Jacob and Yusuf sing, let's spend some time reflecting on our journey and on what we really, really see.